Hi, and welcome to the next episode of TransPerfect Lifeside Talks. I'm Mark Wade. I'm the practice leader here at TransPerfect. Recently, I had a sit down with Stacey Higgins of AbV. We talked about licensing and the challenges of licensing. Yeah, the old chestnut of this, this, this block of licensing and how to get them for different ECUA vendors. Fascinating conversation. Let's get into it. Today, I'm joined by Stacey Higgins. Stacey is Assistant Director of COA and Digital Implementation Team. She brings with her 17 years' experience of translation and licensing. Stacey, welcome to TransPerfect Lifesight Talks. Thank you for having me, Mark. Glad to be here. Great. Let, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. So licensing is a challenge. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie. It is a challenge in that it's 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 time consuming. It is complex. It is often called the bottleneck of COA. Can you walk through, from a sponsor's point of view, can you walk through what challenges you face? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It oftentimes is a bottleneck and um, it can be identified as, you know, putting COAs on critical path throughout the process. Um, and so, you know, some of the challenge that, challenges that are brought up when you talk about COA licensing um, is that it's never the same. And every owner, um, even if it's free for use and you have to identify it, every owner has um, a different way of managing their licensing. So there isn't a black and white that you can put a timestamp on and say, licensing is always going to take this long. Um, it Every owner has a variable in their contract, whether they want to license by, um, you know, per administration, per language, per sites, um, any combination of um, any way you can think of, um, they may have that in their contract. And so um, it becomes a challenge when you're trying to implement maybe, you know, a handful to multiple COAs within a trial um, to identify timelines, uh, you know, to manage for your trials when um, you just are working with owners that, you know, maybe they're out on vacation, maybe they've taken a sabbatical, um, you know, maybe for some reason, they've had an emergency and you're just not able to get a hold of them. The other thing that we notice is from time to time is that you may have a, um, a situation with an owner where you've uh, worked with them multiple times. And so you can kind of estimate, Hey, this is going to take X number of days or X number of weeks. And you go to license with them, a, you know, a trial maybe the next day and they've changed their, the way that they're going to license or what, you to execute the license with them. So oftentimes you have to go back to maybe your legal team to um, ensure that the the new contract is appropriate um, or, you know, you may have to change your strategy altogether because between, you know, one trial to the next, they've adjusted, um, you know, what works for them. And then there's a lot in there. That, that, that's really, that I, I have the same experience on our side, but, but I'm interested from a sponsor's point of view, how do you then deal with the thin offs people who want you to say, you know, how long is this going to take? And, and they want you to put a finite like time frame on it. How do you, yeah. how do you deal with that? Are, are there shortcuts? Yeah, there's definitely shortcuts and there's definitely ways to risk manage. Um, so for, you know, I've been doing this, like you said, for an extensive period of time. Um, and, you know, you do have some 
pretty good perimeters that you can, you know, navigate through. You can set. So um, currently for us, our average timeline is around 30 days. Now you've got some that are coming with one day and some that are going to come in far beyond that. So the way we navigate it is trying to ensure that we're reaching out to our um, study teams early on to identify, hey, what might you be looking at, you know, in the future. So right now we're working on our 2024 portfolio um, to say, you know, what do you, what COAs do you think you're going to use? And then we are working to go ahead and start licensing. Um, you know, we have a centralized budget, so we can go ahead and start to work through the licensing process. Um, and maybe if we don't go that far, we can at least reach out to those owners and, and ensure, hey, you know, has there been any update to your license? Yeah. Um, is there anything that we can do to navigate that risk? And does that does that does it happen? Uh, does it happen often that they update their licensing fees or they update their licensing rules or, or, or engagement? You know, I would say probably ten percent of the time. Okay. Uh, you have your, you know, your ones that are just have been the same in the whole time I've been here, right? You know, they yeah. haven't made much updates, but um, I would say, you know, it's not infrequent for them to definitely up their um, their fees that are associated with, not so much how they license. So a lot of times you don't see them switch from administration to now they're gonna license per country, um, but you definitely see their fees adjusted, which are easier to manage than them adjusting their contract, you know, right. how they want maybe data returned to them, those type of things. So um, I would say maybe, you know, maybe five to 10% we see throughout the year make adjustments that we have to navigate. I would imagine that them changing the 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 legal part of it is just adding in another complexity where you got to go back to the Absolutely. legal group grouping. Yeah. I, I Absolutely. When you have to involve the legal teams on both sides, you're really um you really are in a, a a black hole because you know our legal team, your sponsor legal team is trying to protect, you know, their assets. And of course the owner wants to protect, you know, whatever they feel strongly about. And so you can get into a little bit of back and forth. And, you know, as we know, sometimes trying to get legal teams together and agree can be a little bit hairy. So that's why we want to definitely, you know, do things at risk and try to navigate those waters as early as we can when we know about a COA. And is there a process in place? I feel like I'm firing questions at now. I'm sorry if I am, but this is interesting. No. I feel, but is there a process in place where um, there's a verification? You have to verify that you do it proactively that, that the contract hasn't changed, the, the instrument itself hasn't changed, this hasn't changed, that hasn't changed. This hasn't changed when you engage a particular ECOA vendor. Is there, mm -hmm. is there a verification in process? Is there, is there a whole? Yeah, so absolutely. You should always be verifying that, you know, if they want a third party um, agreement with the vendor, that, you know, you're engaging with the vendor. Um, it is an agreement between your ECOA vendor and that license holder. Um, so your involvement can be limited, but it should be, you know, the sponsor should be involved at least enough to know that the agreement is, um, matching what the owner wants, you know, that there isn't any discrepancy between what our agreement says, what their agreement says, and what we're delivering or expecting to deliver through that licensing procedure. It, are this, are this, are this, you as, as a sponsor, do you like to be very heavily involved with the ECOA vendor to make sure that they um, are doing you know, it's a, it's a fine line because it is definitely their contract, but I, 
you know, for my team, I'll say for me, um, I do find value in being involved. Um, we have had an instance, um, you know, I've been involved in several instances over the years. So, but we've definitely had an instance um, in recent, uh, in the past couple of years where, um, you know, that we weren't quite as heavily involved. And so the ECOA vendor, um, you know, provided one scenario of what could be completed by the owner um, in their agreement by the owner. And yet the owner, um, we have a very good relationship with the owner. And when, you know, we went to the owner to check on everything, um, the owner actually identified that, you know, um, they had had a conversation with the ECOA vendor multiple times and that they no longer were going to allow um, the ECOA vendor to continue um, in the way that they were without making changes that they had requested. And so it resulted in a really big um, problem for us because um, we had a core set of trials that were going to be delivered with that vendor. And now we had an owner that said until, you know, until this third party agreement is fixed and they do what I've asked, I'm not going to allow this vendor to utilize my COA. And so we had to pivot and, um, you know, take um, a handful of trials to another COA vendor that was approved by the owner. And so had we not been involved, um, you know, it could have actually ended up, you know, a little bit more difficult on us in the back end. Um, the owner could have definitely asked that we not use the data. Um, it could have been a multitude of uh, issues on the back end. So being involved as a sponsor and at least knowing what's going on between the owner and um, the co-vendor, I find to be key in ensuring um, that the success of the trial on that ECOA device or with that ECOA vendor and the license holder um, are, you know, that we're all on the same page, essentially. I think that's, I think that, that's a really good lesson, to be honest. Um, certainly, look, I, I can, I can, I can see it from both sides of the fence, from, 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 the, from a language service provider's side of the fence. Um, we have to have that kind of transparency because, yes. and maybe we'll, we'll get into the, we get into the whole thing about translation, validated instruments, all that good stuff. But we need to have visibility into and to how the translated document uh, instrument is rendered on the ECOA platform. Is that right. something you guys, absolutely. you guys, yeah, right. So, so it's very similar. So, right, absolutely. What, what I'm hearing is you, you, you guys, just like us, you like to be quite close, quite involved. Mm hmm. Right. Yes. We want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I mean, we're all after, I mean, even the owner, um, if you look at it from their perspective, um, I often, I look at it from everybody's perspective, right? We all want, um, I mean, for us, we want to make sure that the patient, you know, that we get the best data set from the patient and the owner wants to, you know, maybe this is their life's work and, you know, they want to ensure that the data that's coming in for their life's work is still valid, you know, that there's been no changes that could invalidate um, how that data is collected or what that data, you know, says back about the, you know, individual's disease state. So um, I think everybody has the same intent, you know, and the same goal, um, just from different perspectives. Um, but I think that you all do have to be on the same page for that to be a success on the back end. And, you know, that we don't have any loose ends that somebody's not happy with um, when things are finalized or rolled out. So I think Think being involved is especially if it's your trial as a sponsor you want to make sure that um all the i's are dotted and t's are crossed for sure 
Well, there's this, well, let's, let's be honest. There's so much on the line here. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. If, 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 like if, if something, something goes pear-shaped, be it from an ECO, from a language provider, if something goes pear-shaped, um, the knock-on effect is enormous. It's just enormous, yeah. And it, it dwar- that 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 the, the cost of doing it in the first place, farther up the food chain, is nothing in comparison to what it could be by the time it snowballs later down the process. I, I totally agree with you. And this is this is something you and I have spoken about before. When we talked about we talked about translations, right? So translating instruments, the the, the developers are very particular, and I get it. I absolutely get it. And and most people follow the a nice board guidelines. Fantastic. I'm showing my age here, but yes. But but I mean from from a sponsor's point of view, how involved are you with the translation provider and what oversight do you as a sponsor like to see? Yeah, so your translation, you know, it's almost like that third party agreement that you do with the ECOA vendor. You know, it's not quite that involved, but um, as far as the, you know, having a, an agreement between the translation vendor and the sponsor. But um, so, you know, my mindset and the mindset that I work from, from my, from my team's perspective is at the end of the day, all the dollars put aside, everything, any delay, any glitch, whether it be translation, eco vendor or sponsor, um, you know, any hang up, the patient that's waiting for that, you know, clinical trial or that clinical drug, they're ultimately the ones that are going to be affected, right? So if we don't have a, a good translation, if we don't have the right ECOA vendor and, and everything running successfully, at the end of the day, the patient is the one that's actually going to ultimately suffer the results. That's where I go with it for me. So when you're talking about oversight with the language service provider, absolutely. Um We want to be, you know, kind of um, lockstep with them and make sure that, you know, um, if an owner wants a review, that we're ensuring that the owner gets the review. Um, We want to make sure that they're incorporating what we feel is important as far as um, the cognitive debriefing steps on patients, that they're in the disease state, if at all possible, because those individuals um, definitely more understand, you know, you could get a healthy subject or a subject with a similar disease potentially. Um, but I don't think you get quite the, um, you know, a, a lot of it is is mindset and psychological. And so when you get those disease state patients, um, you know, you're actually getting the ones that are living, you know, with whatever that disease is. So it's very important that we do stay in oversight with the language service provider or in partnership with them. Um, so from, the, from my sponsor's perspective, perspective. We, um, you know, have frequent meetings with them. Um, We have frequent meetings between the language service provider as well as the ECOA provider so that we're making sure that, you know, as they localize onto the devices that, uh, you know, the languages are translating and trans, you know, um, being uh, added onto the device the way that they're expected to by the owner um, and keeping the language um, intact as that is happening. So um, again, it's a situation where you want to be involved and know what's going on um, with that language service provider. I, I think I, I agree, by the way, with the, uh, speaking on behalf of language service providers, I hope I can, but language service providers like to be involved and like to have that lockstep. I think that I think sponsors have an enormous task now, though, 
in today's world. You know, again, showing our age, 20 years ago, there were three ECOA providers and there were a handful of, sorry, strike that, a couple of language service providers that were able to attack and execute, albeit perhaps not perfectly, but able to attack a linguistically validated instrument and deliver it to an ECOA provider. Fast forward 20 years, I was on a call there the other day with um, another organization I'm a member of, and um, they had counted 50 ECOA vendors now. Oh. 50, 50. Now, I counted 23, they counted 50. Um, I think that the challenge sponsors have now is that there is so much background noise, and I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for saying this, but there's so much, much background noise that it's very difficult for sponsors to sift through, well, who is going to be able to deliver us our X, our, our ECOA uh, solution or our translation, on time, every time, I'm exchanging, on time, right, every time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think sponsors have a massive, a massive challenge. So how, does, how do you have to deal with that background noise? Do you, you, you couldn't audit 50 ECOA, you couldn't audit 15 LSPs. How do you yeah. do it? Like, So we definitely, um, as a sponsor, um, you know, have a core set of um, language service providers that we, you know, went through a rigorous, um, you know, process of looking at their infrastructure, looking at how they, um, you know, complete the ling linguistic validation process, look at how long they've been in the business, look at where their core businesses come from. Because some of these um, new language service providers that have, you know, bubbled up through the last few years, um, they may be a translation company and may be very, very good at, you know, general translations. Um, but to your point, the linguistic validation is, uh, is very, very, very important that it's managed properly. And so, um, when we're, it, it's a pretty deep process, right? So what yeah. a lot of people don't understand is that um, you can translate, and I get this question sometimes, and it's a very, it, it makes me smile, but it's a very valid question. Well, why does it take so long? You can just put it into Google Translate, you know, and Google <laughs> Translate will, will spit it out, you know, with all the, um, uh, you know, automated things that we have in place now at our hands, you know, translations, people are like, why can't we do that? And it's a valid question. Um, however, when you're talking about patient reported outcomes and how a patient feels or pain or their thought process for the day, um, <clears throat> you know, it's very, very, very important that the um, concept of the question is maintained. And so you could put into Google Translate, you know, why do I feel blue today? And it actually is going to translate it as the color blue more than likely. But we're looking for an emotion out of that. And you cannot, um, uh, what's the word now? The automated um, AI, AI. Automate, yeah. Uh, yeah, the artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is great, you know, but it can't, it can't predict or it can't um, emulate emotion. And so when we're doing a linguistic validation, you know, the validity of the translation to hold its concept of, do you feel sad today is what that's truly saying when you use the word blue. Um, and so it's a, it's a very 
complicated process. It takes a lot of steps um, because it needs to go back and forth. It needs to make sure that, you know, what the patients are reading, that they're all understanding it and getting that concept right um, to ensure that that data on the back end is coming in. We're truly understanding what the patient is thinking or feeling um, from that questionnaire. And so um, I think that some of these new you know, language service providers that are coming up probably are learning that. But, you know, for a sponsor right now, for us anyway, or for me, I really look for the tried and true. Who's been doing it for a while? You know, um, who knows, you know, the game, who understands the concept of, you know, clinical trials and the importance of the COAs and the cognitive debriefing or the linguistic validation process. So does that answer your question? No, it absolutely, it absolutely does. I mean, okay. and, and we're on the same. We're, we're on the same page. I, I feel the very same. That that um, you know, an AI. By the way, AI uh, for the audience. There is. A, we have another uh, podcast coming up around AI and COA, and I'm, but we'll talk about that another time. But I totally agree with you. The the to capturing the the, the nuances of the instrument to to respect the science and to respect the the the, the actual outcome. Um, I'm sorry, but machine machine language translation cannot do that. It just can't. And anyway, it's part of the ice four step, steps that we have with patients in the disease state and answering a, a finite number of open and closed questions. You know, you can't do that. You cannot do that with machine translation. Not right. correctly, anyway, but I, so I totally agree. Yeah. And to your point about the ECOA vendors, I, I think it's just it's the same thing. It's like there are a number of sprouting up, and that's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Um the challenge that could be, and I'm going to get probably heat for this too, but the challenge is that um, a lot of e-clinical companies, um, both they have already have an EDC or an RTMS or whatever, and they say, well, let's do e-consent. Oh, since we have e-consent, let's do ECOA. And the complexities of ECOA, I think, um, is sometimes wasn't expected, let's say. Sure. If I can say that, if I can say that, it wasn't expected. Yeah. And, and and it... it it's suddenly it, it's like jumping into a, a, a frozen lake. You said, "Whoa, oh right, okay, it is that complex." So I yes. think, yeah, I think the 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 the, the um, there's definitely an argument for you. Said, you said tried and tested. I like that L mature, uh, established kind of providers. Absolutely, but I, I am very aware of that. Sorry. You know, I, I will also say. Mark, that I don't want to um, take away from the younger providers, because a couple of things that I did notice, um, both in, you know, when we've looked at ECOA vendors and when we've looked at language service providers is um, we do, you know, as sponsors, um, I think sometimes we get, and this is actually a conversation that I had with DFARM with a, a group of individuals from multiple different um, sponsors and, and in the space. And, you know, we were talking about the fact that you do kind of get stuck in a rut. You know, you do get used and it's like anything. We get comfortable. You know, we know this, um, but we might not be giving them a chance to show the new, more agile technologies, you know, those kind of things, maybe a few more bells and whistles. Um, so it's that fine line. I think that we have to um, we want to bring some of them up, you know, and make sure that they're that they are coming on the scene and, and being successful because we, we may need some of those bells and whistles, but a lot of times you don't have a lot of, as a sponsor, you don't have a lot of wiggle room to, 
to be the, you know, kind of the mentor and, you know, bring them along. So um, I think it's a, it's an interesting space right now in the last couple of years, because um, I think there's opportunities, but as a sponsor, you just have to be so cautious in what opportunities don't create a, a problem for you in the background. I, I, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you you you, you stopped me and said that because I, I totally agree with you. The the up and coming new LSPs and ECY vendors are, are bringing something new to the party, and I, I welcome that. I like that because right. you know it 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 means it means that we're evolving and, and we're moving forward. If we were to say exactly where we are now, I don't think we would have today's capabilities. Look at what we have sure. now. I mean, twenty years ago we were doing it on, on, on Palm Pilots and on handheld compact devices. And now we're supporting both iOS and Android simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, we've come a long way. So I'm, I'm glad that we're moving that way. So I'm glad you, you stopped me and told me that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> go well, I'm just going to say 17 years ago, we were still doing paper. I mean, quite honestly, ECOA was oh, yeah. just coming into the, you know, really. And I think back then, and I thought, this is never going to take off. This is, you know, it's too edgy. It's too, you had owners that were like, oh, you can't, you can't do that. And, you know, so when you think back to those days, because the ECOA vendors, you know, were new and, um, you know, we're just up and coming on the scene. So we had to take chances and move forward. So um, it's a, it's a scary space to be, but I think that we have to look for opportunities to, to, you know, mold and shape and, and grow them a little bit. But at the same time as a sponsor, you also have to protect, you know, your clinical trials. And again, where it ends up with the patient, you know, you, yeah. you just don't want to take that kind of a, a huge risk. I, I, I totally agree. And on that, I'm going to say thank you, Stacey. Really appreciate you taking the time. Today, I was talking to Stacey Higgins. She's Associate Director of uh, COA and Digital Implementation Team at AbV. Um, I'm Mark Wade. Thank you for your time. Join us on our next episode of Transperfect Lifestyle Talks. Thank you.